The Glue Guys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Nets ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered it's the fastest, easiest way to get in the game. I'm telling you, Brian, it is simple quick so easy to navigate so head over to the app store or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets Welcome back to Blue Guys. This is Mike Kearsey O'Brien. Hello. Check us out on Twitch. Check us out on Twitter at bkglueguysnetsla.com. The Athletic Brian. Mike. I'm so scared of the red. The Nets are back. Explain what's happening to me. Um, About the Nets or about my microphone? Which one do you want first? Um, What's the explanation you want? I know what happened to your mic. (laughs) Now now I need need you to hold me. I need you to tell me that everything's going to be okay. Um, it's not. The season's over. Um, you can pack it up. You can start watching the Pacific Lacrosse League. Is that one of Joseph's size things? <laughs> wow. The professional? Wow. Whatever that, the PLL? Start watching the PLL because um, his current team in Brooklyn, not the Liberty, but the Nets, are an absolute disgrace. Brian, how are you? You stop that. You stop that talk. It's Like I said, it's Chinese rust. You guys think um, it's a joke. It's not a joke. It's a real thing, and I hope we can blame this circumstance the slow start of the season actually on china and apparently we're not blaming all the nets firing of david levy levy on china but we'll get to that later in the show um brian it was philosophical the differences quite philosophical um, <laughs> to start i have a little philosophical leanings from kenny atkinson this is after the jazz game that just occurred last night this is what kenny atkinson <clears throat> said to reporters after the game Later. We are where we are. We're four and six. We're below average. I think there's positive things. I think there's things to build on. I think our defense has to improve for us to take another step. But four and six is four and six. This league is unrelenting. So we are below average. I think our guys understand that. Ugh, Brian. So, Mike, you know how we're like the best? We have the best points per game, but like the worst like points given up or whatever. What <laughs> yeah. if we just got a little better at one of those things? What do you think that would do? for our win record, or totals. Dude, if they just got a little bit better in defense, this team would be... So I looked at the stats, I dug deep, trying to assess what's the problem, okay? Because you could say they're bad at defense, but like, what are they doing poorly on defense? What is the big difference? Well, one thing, and we talked about this last show, is the gap between Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, plus minus when they're on the floor. Very high for Jared Allen, plus 12 or something. DeAndre Jordan, minus 12. But that, you know... Dude, Plus I can feel the there. groundswell of DeAndre Jordan scapegoating happening, like, real time. It's happening. Although he did have a nice game last night. He had a good – and I, I, I generally like what he's bringing to the team. I know he's getting paid $10 million a year, but he's not just to be a monk-like <coughs> figure. But um, it is super enjoyable. 
like I, you know the moment that he had in the the Trailblazers game when he's when Nick Claxton comes off the floor and he's kind of giving advice and they do this weird thing now where if so they played Claxton DeAndre Jordan last night which is such a tasty little lineup to see from this team because Kenny Atkinson so has consistently opposed to have two bigs on the floor but they during a free throw where the ball would go through the hoop DeAndre Jordan would grab the ball and then give it to Nick Claxton just a touch. As if it's an, a, a precious orb mm. that uh, that he can suck power from on the basketball court. I I, I love that sort of gr- the the tangible feel of that for Claxton to touch the ball and to get comfortable. Yeah, um, I mean so he's I got like all, all kinds of little old man tips and tricks. Um, yeah, I mean like outside of just like those memes, um, <laughs> I don't think he's like. He's certainly not responsible for all these problems. And Captain Marvel is thirty three on Twitch. TV backslash or forward slash glue guys echoes those thoughts uh, saying leave DeAndre alone um, and everyone everyone's generally like super unhappy in and to everyone's freaking out it appears to my are, are you freaking out like is this are we ready to freak out no because okay so the the two the two big things which could be end up being symptomatic but I hope it's just temporary problems to start the season um, the Nets defensively are giving up the second highest three opponent three-point percentage, meaning opponents are hitting the second highest percentage of threes against the Nets, you know, in the league or whatever. The and, and the Nets are forcing the second fewest turnovers. So the Nets aren't aren't taking possessions away from another team. And the teams that they're playing, they're allowing them to shoot the three ball really well. And that's a change from in the past where because the Nets, I think last year were the third best at defending the three. And now they're the second worst. So what's different? Well, um, as much as like I enjoy Torian, Torian Prince's offense, he, he does say so bad on defense, and he's so different from Damari Carroll. Well, like Damari Carroll, you could tell it was his thought pattern was defense first, then I'll do the offense. Where Prince is like he just doesn't, he just doesn't. It's it. There's moments. There's flashes. Um, when he gets competitive, you can tell if a guy kind of challenges, challenges him too much, he will try to stop him. Um, but the Nets consistently go under screens. The, their bigs don't flash up to stop the three-point shot. And what you get is you get teams making a whole bunch of threes on them. And if you're allowing a bunch of threes and you're not turning over the ball, you're going to suck defensively. You're yeah. Suck defensively. <clears throat> I think I would agree with that. And I think that if we can talk about this from a – um, chemistry standpoint, Ooh. like, do you want to do you want to get into the hard sciences? Um, <laughs> that uh, the the difference in in this like season's role players is that our role players this year like seem to be want to be doing more than being role players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I think Damari Carroll and Ed Davis among and Trebouille Dud Big Dud. Um, it's true. They they were all about that role player lifestyle, like full full stop. Um, Whereas your boys, Torian Prince and Garrett Temple, and, I, you know, it's hard to say, like, hey, guys, don't, like, don't try to be as good as you think you can be. But to a certain extent, like, it's like we, we do need you to be uh, f- more, like, filling in the gaps. Like, a step back Garrett Temple 3 is not not where I want to live my life. Um, so, like, and those are, like, small, like, they're, they, like, they seem really obvious to me. They don't happen all that much. <clears throat> but I think it's a big difference just, like symbolically and in the it's just like part of the the um 
subtext of, of like the team is that like they're the role players are wanting to be more than just role players. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and like I don't know if I put Garrett Temple in that box. He does. I mean, the step back three he should never do. Like you're hundred percent right. But like the, that Torian Prince spot, which is his spot to have, and I really am enjoying his ability to get hot and shoot threes. That was one of the reasons why they lost. They couldn't compete with the Sixers last year was that Joe Harris was so bad from three, and they didn't have anyone else that could really step up and shoot an outside shot. So they became a really kind of one-dimensional team. And I Prince will provide that like fourth, third option on the floor, a guy you can not really create his own bucket, but at least you're going to have to guard him. But he just doesn't guard anyone on the other end of the floor. And like you're right, like so they bring people off the bench, right? We think of David Nwab as a defender, but he doesn't really play for this team all that much. Um, DeAndre Jordan, it, controversial figure, as we've touched on. Musa actually has shown a little bit more um, desire to play defense than what he did in the past. And he is recently showing more restraint offensively, where when we had a Musa minute in the in previous last season, basically, he would just try to shoot as much as he could because he knew he wouldn't have a consistent spot in the rotation. I like what I'm seeing for him, but again, each guy that comes off the bench is thinking about offense. None of them are really thinking about defense, mm-hmm. and the the starters, for the most part, are only thinking about offense. Besides Jared Allen, and you know Jared's been totally fine. Um, he he can be super impactful some games, and then other games he gets four points against the well, Jazz. He gets so many. It's Rudy Gobert. Gosh darn fouls! Now all of a sudden he can't stay on the floor. Um, What's that about, Mike? Well, that's such a change from the past. Because yeah. he was always, what kind of made him special was that he wouldn't foul. He wasn't like Mitchell Robinson who consistently fouls dudes and then gets blocks. Like, Jared Allen was very conservative with fouling and then would still be able to protect the rim. I think it's him probably pressing more than he than he should be, right? It's like, that's a classic thing of like, I'm going to, I have to be more aggressive now. Yeah. And you end up getting fouls. I don't hate it. You know, you get, I mean, what, you know, you have six fouls, you should be using them. Last night it was unfortunate because he had five fouls with like, what was it, like eight minutes left in the game? Well, he kept and getting these ticky tacky, as Triple Captain Marvelous points out, the, the uh, illegal screen fouls constantly, which it just felt like Tim Donahue was in the building at that point. I was like, where's Dude, the fix, bro? I was, I was getting Donahue vibes last night. Were you? I was too. Because <laughs> the way he describes the refereeing of like, I don't know what the line was in the game. I guess I could look it up, but I, I'm not like that proficient at looking up gambling lines. Though we do have a, a DraftKings sportsbook ad read later in the show, so maybe I'll get more proficient at it. But there were like moments in the game when like it was kind of getting out of hand one way or the other. Not really, but like it was stretching really for the Nets. And then there would be like some bad fouls against the Nets, or it would like whatever they wanted the game as close as possible. It felt like mm. and. It was at one point I did tweet out like I really like the refereeing in this game because it was so slanted toward the Nets and then it just swung completely the other way. Oh, Brian, that I, game. Yeah, you know what's interesting? And they talked about this on the Yes broadcast was just how much the Utah Jazz fan base boos at a replay. It is it is remarkable, and it's sort of what I've always wanted. Whenever they play a replay at a Nets game, like nobody's even paying attention. Nobody nobody cares, and half of them wouldn't even know what it was they were looking at if they if they wanted to. Um, no, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's not fair. Um, but they just don't no, care. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was a little jelly of that, but also put off by it somehow. It was, a, it was a complex feeling I was having. It was, it's like, 
oddly aggressive in the NBA. You have about three arenas, I guess, that are like that aggressive, which I guess is Oklahoma City Thunder, Utah Jazz, and like sometimes Portland. Portland can be like weird. That, that Portland. So if there was more like if there's another like middle of nowhere team, that would I would start to build some kind of big correlation here. They should put a team like I know that there's a there's a team in like Grand Rapids or something, but like they. The NBA needs to figure out the most remote location, but like that can sustain a pro franchise and then put it there because those fans would be insane. Because all they have, like the Jazz, ha- two two people from like the local newspaper cover the Jazz exclusively, just two reporters because that's all they have. And like obviously in Portland it was like that. Now they have a soccer team, Oklahoma City. All they have mm-hmm. are the, is the Thunder. I love that's what I kind of love about the NBA is that you have these like isolated markets that. The only thing in town is that team, um, but we got to figure out like, is it the Omaha Ostriches? <laughs> yeah, and they, those people are just going to be the most intense fans you could possibly have because they have nothing else. Yeah, it's at, besides Disney Plus and the Mandalorian, <laughs> which we'll get to later in the show. Not an ad read, just uh, an wow. interest point. Yeah. Fine. Um, before we get. Well, any other thoughts about the Jazz game before I, I move to Nick Clark? No, let's move on. Mercifully, I don't. It was that was a heartbreaker, and it's also like the I, it's the last thing is there is a script of us losing big leads, and I want to figure out a way to stop that script from repeating itself over and over again, Mike. And I don't know how. What's that? Losing losing leads in the third quarter and fourth quarter and uh, losing winnable games like that in that in that particular fashion. Also, how is it that we give up so many points so fast? We went down. We had a fifteen point lead coming into the second half, and in two minutes it was gone. It feels like there's no team in basketball that can cough up fifteen points as fast as we can. There's also I and I need I need I want to track this, but I feel like every time. Uh, the Nets get an illegal screen, and it's Joe Harris who's coming off the screen. They call the foul. I feel like every time he hits that for that three-pointer, don't mm-hmm. you know? I feel like so Jared Allen sets an illegal screen. Joe Harris comes around. They blow the whistle. The three-pointer obviously doesn't count. Joe Harris takes the shot, and it always goes in. And in my head, it's like a it, it's a like you know it's a, a tease because. He made the shot. I was like, only if they didn't call that foul, he would have made the shot. I know it doesn't really work that way, but that's how I feel. You know, also works a different way, actually a good way, is DoorDash, Brian. Crushing it at work, laser focus on beating that boss level. That doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurants in minutes. I'm telling you, I use DoorDash. I use it all the time. Because it is so quick and so easy. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off the first order of $50 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code GLUE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code code (laughs) GLUE. Man, my contacts are going crazy. Don't forget, that's promo code GLUE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. The GLUE and promo code is a hard, if you're from Maryland... Mm. You know the Maryland accent. Promo code glue. Code glue. It's it's a toughie. It's a code glue. It's a <laughs> <laughs> and the Nets are in a code glue. Um, Brian, uh, positives. We were treated to a, a delightful uh, cameo appearance by a young buck, little Mister Robot Bambi, Nick Claxton. Give me your thoughts and feelings about Nicholas Claxton, Brian. <sighs> Wow. Well, somebody was blasting me on Twitter, blasting me, absolutely roasting me for um, saying that you would 
regrets, or I don't know, what was it? You said that you were excited for more Claxton, and I said your your tune would change after 15 minutes or something of, of Nick Claxton. Um, that hasn't been true. I want to go on the record <laughs> and say that <laughs> that that was that was more about Mike um, being generally impulsive with rotations and wanting people in and out than an indictment of Nick Claxton, the individual. Um, but let me just make sure that I cover my bases here and say that I like Nick Claxton and I want more of him, <coughs> though he is a baby boy. And he uh, he is really just sort of galloping around out there. Um, uh, it's sort of how I think of like where Rodion's was last year in that it's like just in control enough to do things right most of the times or like just like it's like chaotic good um you know that like the that like thing where it's like chaotic evil chaotic good chaotic neutral mm-hmm. it's like mostly chaotic good um <laughs> but like uh it is it does not look like it's like it's supernatural yet and my it, it could go either way like pretty quickly um whereas rodians which is who is is just getting dnps now what's up with him yeah. um a weird situation but anyways wait before we bury that lead um do you, have you just been like net just wanting more and more in klaxon every time you see him out there it's like more you, you just can't get enough yeah because it's not it's not like i'm thinking that he is going to revolutionize his team and turn him from a four and six team to a 60 and four team but it's i'm enjoying watching him play basketball because he plays with energy activity he has athleticism he can do different things on the floor than pretty much anyone like Spencer Dinwiddie has a quote now that's been kind of raked over the coals but after Claxton's first game they went to Dinwiddie and Dinwiddie said Nick Claxton is the second most talented player on the Nets number one being Kevin Durant and then it's more than more than Kyrie Irving more than even Spencer Dinwiddie himself it's Nick Claxton and I actually if you look at the sort of if each were a ball of clay I guess <laughs> the the best Good. clay would be Kevin Durant, right? Is that Clay? Oh. No, it would be Clay. I guess it's um, locations of which to grow wine. Okay. Oh, that. wow. Okay. Th- so, do, is that just coming off the top of your head? Have you thought about this before? This is this is just coming off the top of my head. Interesting. And just location alone <coughs> doesn't guarantee success, but it, now you have to you factor in climate change too. I heard all these vineyards in oh, England no. are starting to get bought up because, like, France is the climate's changing or whatever. So, what's the best? So whatever the best climate for wine, Italy. I don't know. That's what they tell me. Well, it used to be the south of France, but but now it's that's it's all now changing. North of France, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just moving north. Um, Kevin Durant is the greatest location of which the soil is is rich in nutrients, you, you, the perfect weather, the perfect temperature. You're always going to get a beautiful cup crop out of Kevin Durant. But Nick Claxton's like this new territory, this burgeoning sort of wine region, Oregon. Maybe he's an Oregon wine, perfect because he debuted. In Portland, there you he's, go. You know he's uh, <laughs> that is perfect. It's really he's organic. It's interesting. You're kind of getting different flavors than you really get before, but it's not quite peak, right? Of course, it's not. We're, we haven't reached peak production here in Oregon. That's what Nick Claxton is. He has all this potential to be the next hot wine region. Will it happen? I don't know. We need the investment. We need the the sort of the 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 amount of tax credits from this to allow this to grow. The state being Jesus. you know the next organization. Look at you um, go. You know what I really enjoyed? Um, 
Sorry. <laughs> no, that was great. That was, that was intense. Um, almost as intense as when uh, Nick Claxton, like, dead-armed CJ McCollum after that basketball. I love that. And also, he, like, his expression afterward was, like, he was embarrassed a little bit by it, but also still, like, post-climax intensity um, and, like, a little bit afraid of getting in trouble. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's basically like catatonic. Um, it was really, I really enjoyed that. And I was glad that it, it didn't like completely break CJ McCollum's face and he like gets suspended for 50 games over something so stupid. Um, do you I think that would have happened if he like actually like punched him in the eye socket, like hit <laughs> a torn labia or not like the cornea? <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't want to make light of this, but it's like when Kermit Washington punched Rudy Tomjanovich. It's it like nearly almost killed the man. Like that was Can't make so it. damn close to being like the the end of his career. Yeah. Like what? A, and what? Imagine if that had, if that had, like what? What career does Nick Claxton? Because you he would be haunted by this. It, and like C.J. McCollum's reaction, it would, didn't even really have much of a reaction. He was just kind of no. like you could tell it like didn't a, it didn't hurt at all. Yeah. What a way! Like the worst Disney movie possible. Like this guy. <laughs> This sort of unknown prospect comes right. in the first game, has a good play, and then just punches the guy. In the the word. This sounds like a great movie. We should. This sounds like a movie we should write. Um, another great thing about Disney Plus, if I can promote it even more. <laughs> Are you sure we're not sponsored by these people? Um, is that it has all those awful like early to mid nineties? Ooh, we got Airbud. It has Airbud. It has this movie, I, I <laughs> called Half Court Miracle, which was a Dis- Disney Channel original movie. And and I'm it's I'm Jewish, so I'm I'm allowed to wade into these waters. It's about a nice. a, a, a a team of young Jewish boys who enlist a former NBA player to be their coach, uh, uh, and they realize their coach's story is like Judah and the Maccabees from the Hanukkah story. I don't know it, but I cannot wait to watch. Do it. I know that story? What's that story? Is that a big uh, one? Judah and the nah, you, Do you know the story of Hanukkah? Yeah, I know. I mean, the oil. I get the. I get the basics. Yeah, that was it. So I'm not sure how this. How this? It's based on a real story. It's like uh, some. There's some real basketball player who really coached a team, like a Jewish high school's team in Philly. Um, but I'm not sure how anyone's life ever relates to the story of Hanukkah, which is like, you know, we had oil for eight days, mm-hmm. which was a great, you know, a great achievement. Um, but anyways, Brian. Yeah. Nick Claxton. I you know what it you know what like links the thing that I think I like the most about it is it feels already I'm already nostalgic for the days of the post KG Paul Pierce trade but pre Kyrie KD wow wow any little joy because you just blew it up into a, a a massive supernova because that's all you could find right like you had these little joys of like Sean Kilpatrick had a nice run. And, and that's, know, whatever. That is little joys. Those are tiny the, little joys. <laughs> the tiny, sweetest. Like Anthony Bennett had one good game, and you're like, maybe maybe did, they got Did something. he even have one good game? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Joe Harris is like, Joe yeah. Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie are the success stories, right, of that era. Mm-hmm. And, and Nick Claxton felt like, an, like a post-KG Paul Pierce trade, pre-KD Kyrie story. It was like talented. Sort of, mm. we don't know what to get from him, and he was just happy. Like I don't know if you saw on social media afterwards, his mom was commenting on Anthony Puccio's video of DeAndre Jordan and Nick Claxton embracing each other or talking about basketball or whatever they were doing, and like his Nick Claxton's mom on Twitter was like, commenting about that, and it's just like a nice. It was like nice to sort of have 
a non-consequential positive story about a Nets player because what Kyrie and KD have brought is the quotes that we got from Kenny Atkinson, which is like kind of anxiety-written, not sure where we're going to be. There's never been more pressure on this team, you know, in the past whatever, ever since the KG Paul Pierce trade because they who they have on the team now. And it was, it's this Nick Claxton story is like, okay, it's it's a breath of fresh air in a season that has been full of anxiety. That's just wow. what it's it has been bad. It's just full of anxiety and scary and I hope they win another game like tomorrow or whenever they play next. Mhm. On the court, though, I like him. Sure, he's great. I like that they're <laughs> playing him with DeAndre Jordan. I love that. I just, I want DeAndre and Jared Allen to play a little bit uh, at times. Like, I think that that would improve their defense almost more than anything. And it's been proven over time is that having two bigs on the floor while crappy on offense does improve your defense. So I think if you can put at various times DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen on the floor together with like Kyrie, Karis LeVert, and Joe Harris. Your defense is going to improve, and those other three, the three guards, should do enough on offense that you can get by, and you're going to score points, continue to score points. So I want to see more of that. That's all, I want, that's all I'm saying, Brian. Can I do a quick email? Yes. This is from your boy, Sorta BK Defend. Sorta Defend BK. Mm-hmm. Um, a true memester has an at AOL.com uh, email address, which I have to assume is ironic at this point, but... Either way, um, I'm going to do the second part of his question, saying, what do you think about the Aaron Gordon rumors? And it's coming from the deep state, but would you give up Spence and Joe for Gordon? No, absolutely not. I I hate it. Okay. Mm. What people need to understand is, one, we can't trade Spencer Dinwiddie every single time that this team stinks. Like, he's a crucial part of the team. If they do trade him, like, let's just say, like, on the court. If they trade him, they have no backup point guard. Yes, Karis LeVert can take the minutes, but they have no backup point guard. Okay. So, if they trade him, the team is bad at guard, besides Kyrie. Um, Part of the reason why Kyrie's here, part of the reason, is Spencer Dinwiddie. His relationship with Spencer Dinwiddie. If Kyrie, if you, if, if we all want the best for Kyrie Irving and his alleged moodiness... You can't then just start shipping out players the minute that he gets here and leaving him to handle all the ball handling duties. Well, though he probably may like to do that. I I just, one, you can't trade Joe Harris. Joe Harris is like, beyond KD and Kyrie, the third most valuable player for this team specifically. And you can't trade Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think they can really make a trade beyond like trading Rodeons and Moose, like bit parts, you know, like. Try to flip Musa and Rodion's for like, I don't know, Bobby Portis, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen because Mm-mm. the Nets and Knicks are going to trade. So, well, sorry. Well, can I do another one? Um, let me do a quick read. Okay, wait. I'm going to go grab <clears throat> a glass of water. Then you read it, okay? okay. Wait. All right. Uh, weekends are made for football, and with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Actually, now that I think about it, with all the hoops and hockey going on, the DraftKings sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. This week, DraftKings is running a first touchdown scorer promotion. Just bet on the first touchdown scorer in the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game and get protected with your wager back if they score at any point in the game. I They talk about briefly discuss what player you like to score first. I could not even begin to tell you. 
You know who's an interesting one? Kareem Hunt. Just putting it out there. Kareem Hunt, they used him a lot more in that first game than I think people expected. I think he'll be a, a, an asset going forward in fantasy football if you can pick him up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You want a quick little qualitative study of <clears throat> that last little Aaron Gordon bit? Yes. Chandler Bing, 94, in Perfect. Twitch on our Twitch channel, just saying blow it up. Captain Marvel is saying give up Spence, <laughs> but not Joe. <laughs> That's where they're at. That's where the people are at. You go four to six and start the season, and we're trading away some of our highest skilled players. We we I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Like, this, this is way too early. And, like, if anything, we should – the Nets should only project calm – and consistency because ultimately if they get KD back at the end of the season then their ceiling is insanely higher if they don't there's there actually shouldn't be any pressure this year the only pressure is just to make the playoffs all they have to do is make the playoffs let's say KD doesn't come back then the then they'll have enough momentum to be like okay we made the playoffs with just Kyrie KD comes back we're going to be one of the contenders and then we can make a massive trade you know, packaging Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, uh, Kara Silvert for whoever big star is out there. Um, like, this season, if you're just thinking long-term, you gotta... We all just have to, like, dial it back. And I think we started, you know, that, what was it, 8 and 18 last, someone was saying? I mean, there's uh, there's lots of time. We've got plenty of time, everybody. You know plenty who doesn't time have time right now? Oh, go on. <laughs> David Levy? Or Levy. Still haven't figured it out. Doesn't matter anymore. That's Levi, actually. It's Levi. Uh, (laughs) He's no longer. I I don't think you laugh about his dismissal, but I'm I'm sure he's he's doing okay. So it's it's not a laughing matter. It's philosophical in nature. So yes. So why do we why do you keep quoting philosophical nature, Brian? Because that's what they claim to have happened. What do you? What's your take on the philosophical in nature dismissal? I just think it's such a funny. and vague thing to, <laughs> to say because I mean just as a meme like um, yeah deontological philosophy was you know someone was a you know utilitarian and then the person was deontological and it was just like we couldn't see eye to eye on anything <laughs> on that basis you know? <laughs> um, no uh, yeah it says nothing and it says everything I think um, and in the article on the Nets Daily thing they were like they specifically mentioned all of the <clears throat> like tech incentives of Joseph Tsai and I guess like that was the philosophical difference. It was like Josiah wanted to jack into the Matrix, and and Levy wasn't about that. I don't know. We're we're only left to guess. Um, but I don't know. What do you think happened? Pretty much every piece of media that have written about this dismissal, you see a, a source with the Nets will comment on it, but not obviously put their name to it. Is what what Mister Levy said about the China situation at a Bloomberg <laughs> summit. I, I don't know, it was like two or three weeks ago. And you could find the quote online, you can find in pretty much every story, where he basically was like, you have to be true to the values of the place of which you do business, which is America, and you don't compromise those values wherever you are. Now, what the Nets are continually putting out there is that that had nothing to do with it. I, I can't answer that question, right? Like, like, we don't know if that had anything to do with it. 
it, whatever. To me, the, the bigger thing about this is I'm a Washington Redskins football fan, and I've seen an owner take over a team and make really um, rash decisions, hire people, fire people immediately, no consistency in terms of management. And obviously, I don't want Joseph Tsai to be Dan Snyder. I don't think he is Dan Snyder. And also, I kind of think basketball is a little bit different than, than football in terms of how much you can really screw up a franchise. Though, of course, you could be Donald Sterling and really screw up a franchise. The big thing about this is that what we now see from Joseph Tsai, the immediate evidence that we have him as the primary owner of the Nets, is that he has made a bad decision in terms of hiring, whether, it, whether it's really his fault it is. He made this bad decision. He hired someone that that did not work out for him. He made the decision to hire him, and it does, hasn't worked out, and he fired him. Now, what impact does that have on the immediate team? Probably none. Um, but it shows that the Nets do have an owner who didn't make a good decision and isn't showing stability. And we all can make fun of Prokhorov for the things that he did early on in his tenure, because he did make bad, many, many bad decisions. He pushed for the KG Paul Pierce trade. <clears throat> then he wouldn't put up the money to sign Paul Pierce, which ruined you know, the trade overall. That finally put the nail on the coffin for the trade. He put up a blueprint uh, billboard outside you know, uh, MSG with Jay-Z that now is kind of like not, not a really tremendous great look. But like what Prokhorov evolved into was actually a pretty good owner, a guy who's willing to pay high salaries for a bad team so that they could build towards the future. What is Joseph Tsai? We don't know. Every owner makes mistakes early on. This is, again, this is a mistake. Like, he made a mistake. He hired someone and he had to fire them within two months. So it's it, it shows that, like, Joseph Tsai may end up having a growth period that we're all going to have to live through as fans. That's mm. the big thing. I don't actually really know what that position even does. I mean, that's another thing. Like, it's such a big position but like i don't really fully understand how much of influence they have on like exactly what what goes on well like it's hard because in certain sports that position which is basically the business lead of an organization we know for a fact that those types while we while we're told that they have no impact on personnel and no impact on you know sort of what's happening on the court or on the field we do know from past history that those people end up infiltrating the basketball people and end up making creating havoc in some way um like steve mills was that guy is that guy for the knicks and then he infiltrated the basketball people and and started to make basketball deals like he gave the tim hardaway contract when he wasn't a basketball person from what i understand but again maybe talking out of class here um I, so, like, again, like, what's the impact right now this season? Probably really none. Like, but all of it to me is it shows a character flaw in Joseph Tsai. It just does. Like, he hired someone, he had to fire him within two months. That's that's a flaw. Do you not you know? want to put some of the blame on David? Maybe David Levy light on his resume, you know? Busted. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely busted. No, I mean, I, I'm... No, that's I'm, a joke. You can't, I mean, not yeah. at those positions. Doesn't yeah. work like that. I don't know, man. I just think it's sort of like those, that a noble thing. And no matter how much writing we see about it, how much reporting, unless if something definitively comes out and says, oh, it was the China issue, which would be 
concerning. That's but ultimately, what, that's not something I really care that's about. That's what your boy Velvet Cowboy is suggesting. What's he saying? He I just says China. China. He's just saying China. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would make a lot of sense, right, that the, the, that didn't work out. I mean, because of Joseph size, literally the strongest owner in the pro-China government of any of the owners <coughs> there are. I don't know. I just it's a character flaw. It's what it, we've now seen him make a mistake. Uh, maybe he's fixing a mistake or it could lead to more mistakes in management. And that wouldn't be great. But just quick, know. quick shout out to Chandler Bing 94, who lives in England and stays up to three or four a.m. to watch the Nets and believes that he deserves better. I absolutely agree. <laughs> um, what else? Is there anything else we need to talk about? No, I mean, so there's two more games on this West Coast trip. They play Thursday at at Denver, and then which is I think a national game, uh, and then Saturday at the Bulls. Which I'm a little bit worried about that Bulls game. You know, we talked about before we went into the before they went on this West Coast swing. Like, what's the reasonable record? And I said two and three out of it. It almost would 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 have been two and one if they had beat the Jazz last night, and then you could feel pretty good about the rest of it. The Bulls team is like the type of team that obviously the Nets should be better than the Bulls, but because of how bad they are on defense, I worry about that game mightily. Wow. Um, they really kind of need to win that game because if they don't, they're, they're in a four-game losing streak and then playing the Pacers at home. The Nets are at home, and hmm. the Pacers are a good team. Uh, and they have Sabonis, who will eat Nick Claxton for brunch. <laughs> um, don't worry about it, dude. We're going to be okay. It's yeah, just it's Chinese all- rust, like I said. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do like? Is there any like news around the league? Do we do we care about news around the league? Who cares nah, about we'll, these other teams? We'll do a news around the league segment <clears throat> in the next few months. At least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of injuries in the NBA. That's the only thing. We a lot know. of hands. Everyone's ha- is everyone's hands okay? How are your hands? My hands are pretty good. I yeah. wonder if it's because we're texting too much. You yeah. Know, anything about that, Brian? We got to worry about that carpal tunnel there, Mikey. Um, that's it. Oh, by the way. This is going to be really exciting, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tease this out in greater fashion. But I am doing an investigative journalism series on the Achilles injury um, for all you listeners out there. You, it's hopefully going to be put together. It's going to start rolling out maybe in the next few weeks. Maybe, maybe we'll, wow. we'll launch in December. It's, I already have done a, an interview or two for it. Uh, learning a lot, mm. learning a lot, and I think it'll be really helpful to learn about Kevin's <laughs> Speaking of um, investigative journalism, did you see the thing that was posted in our Discord um, about the? It was a Reddit post where somebody was talking about James Harden. They did this like broad analysis of his performance in his performances in cities where there is like more strip clubs per capita than other <laughs> cities. Yeah, yeah, yes. that was really thorough and important work. Um, so shout out to whoever did that. It, it it may be one one of the great NBA. I, I'm trying to think Reddit of like if there's any like it's it was just the dedication to doing it justice. Like it was a it was a strong. It's the kind of thing that we would talk about. Like like yeah, we should do that, and like never actually do seriously. And then this person really took it super serious. Uh, um, we, we could make a, a best of episode of ideas that we've said on the podcast that have yet to actually come to fruition. And I think it would be a fun. Yeah, uh, but like, yeah. but like that. Me just saying that we'll never do that. Right. <laughs> right. Wow, so meta. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show, Brian. 
Because I got actually, I have to do an interview on Achilles injuries with an injury analytics expert. So I gotta, I gotta go. Whoa! After this, Jesus. Yeah. Um, cool. Any any last thoughts? No, that's it. Get us out of here. All right. Um, thank you all for listening. The Athletic, NetsDaily.com, at BKGlueGuys on Twitter. We are on Twitch. If you want athletic subscription, 40% off, TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. 40% off annual subscription. A nice little gift for Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever holiday you choose to celebrate. Brian, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, boy. Yeah.